good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week. Please subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and continued encouragement. And thanks to my podcasting partner and co-host Patrick from Pullstring Press for this great studio. Studio, studio. studio. <laughs> See how I got? I almost got we all the words the, out. We are by the seashore. <laughs> Good morning, Patrick. How are you this morning? I'm doing super well. I would love you to meet our guest this morning, Dina Landy, who is the managing partner at Riskin Partners, uh, located here in Santa Barbara. Yes. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, I'm. Gr- it's spring. It's spring. It's, it's beautiful, all, it's spring. isn't it? Yeah. It's just. Oh. I was talking to. Um, clients in Washington DC this morning and mm. I they how's the weather there it's just, uh I have to be it's always nice he, oh here yeah when they ask you yeah because <laughs> such an easy question loaded just right totally it's loaded. but it's a way to break rapport sure because mm-hmm. like oh it's really nice oh yeah well it sucks here or mm-hmm. it's rainy or it's snowing or it's whatever but I'm gonna guess as a realtor weather is one of the big selling points you've got Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, absolutely. And and I think sometimes, because I have similar conversations with folks uh, in D.C. or New York or even Florida, Texas, and depending on the time of year, it's either, and they're usually, this is a loaded question, because they're usually asking, because they're expecting me to say, well, it's 72 degrees and sunny, it's beautiful, right. and they're daydreaming about it. Right. We had a, um, we run TEDx Santa Barbara, <laughs> and uh, in the early days, we formed a, a nonprofit to be able to handle all the, the finances, and we called it 74 degrees, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And then I look and I said- that's getting hot. And, that's, <laughs> and I said, it's a little warm. It's two degrees off. It yeah. is, 72 right? degrees, isn't it? 72, 72 degrees the, and sunny? It's, that's se- the perfect- That's, that's the, the utopian, yeah, yeah, I believe 72. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Yeah, you're I correct. run a little warm, so I like 69 degrees. So. Oh, okay. But is that how we're gonna play it? Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> This is This not. is a subtle jab at yeah. how cold I keep the studio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this, actually. I, I, I can wear my winter outfit. Um, we have listeners from all over the world, and, and, and I'm curious. Especially Finland. Ah, uh, oh. long-time, long-time listener, first-time guest. Yes. Right, I see. Nice. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I was looking just last week, and we have picked up a couple of hundred listeners in Mexico. Mm. Great. Which is fantastic, right? Wonderful. So I'm curious. Uh, what kind of international calls you get from Ooh. people that want to come to Santa Barbara? You'd be shocked. I don't want to be shocked. No, shock yeah, us. Shock us, yes. Very few. Really? Very what? few. So they come They come as tourists because you walk down State Street and you're going to hear uh, German and uh, French mm-hmm. and, and then Asian languages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very few. Um, we do have a handful um, of international buyers. And, and I should classify this um, in some regard because uh, I specialize, my team um, specializes in real estate, um, primarily in Montecito and Hope Ranch. We say that we, that being said, we said that we say that we specialize in properties of distinction. So I'm not here to speak for all markets in Santa Barbara. Sure, of um, course. I'm here to speak to the one that I know. Um, but, uh, but we get we get asked that all the time, and especially with sellers, because they want us reaching out to the international market, which we do. Uh, but you'd be surprised that we don't have a very large international buyer pool. So you have to recalibrate their expectations pretty well, quickly. Well, a little bit. I mean, um, you know, if we were getting those buyers, that's where we would base a, a whole lot of our marketing towards. But um, we do get some. Um, you'd be surprised. We, we have a handful of Brits here. Hmm. Uh, well, I can see why they want to change to this. Get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> get out of that a weather. Less rain. Yeah, we call that, get out of that we call weather. that Brexit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we have a handful, but I would say the vast majority of clients that we see coming to Santa Barbara, Montecito, Hope Ranch areas, local people mixing around, downsizing, upsizing, et cetera, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle. Chicago, Miami, New what, York. What do they all 
what do you think they all share? Or like when you see a client and you're and you're and you're you know mm. you're doing that instant diagnostic where you're trying to figure out okay what what am I going to need to give to this person? Do you mm. think that they kind of have a similar thread? Like are we attracting a similar thread person? Um, yes, in some way, um, I think that we're attracting folks that want to be a part of this lifestyle mm -hmm. in some way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. whether it is as a full-time resident um, or to have a vacation home here. Mm. But they want to be part of this lifestyle. Santa Barbara is a pretty offers a very unique and very special lifestyle. Now, I'm not somebody that has lived all over the place. I've lived in Los Angeles. And thank God I don't live there well, so anymore. Right, right. <laughs> so LA and here, those are your two? And in Northern part. California. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And... Um, and I would say that this lifestyle, it's not just the natural beauty, mm -hmm. the ocean, the mountains, the proximity. I mean, the fact that you can get up in the morning, go on a hike at 8 or 9 in the morning, which is, I think, a very leisurely time to go on a sure, hike, sure. <laughs> uh, and then be down at the beach for lunch. Within for lunch, easily. And then go back up to the mountains for a sunset. Where else are you getting that? Right. Where else are you getting that? Who do we compete with? Hmm. Mm. Um, other secondary markets. Like? Aspen, Greenwich. Oh, yeah. um, we see a lot of people sometimes that look here that also look down um, in Rancho Santa Fe. Uh, Carlsbad area. Why do so? When you call it a secondary market, what what makes what's mm. what would a first tier market and then what would a third tier market look like? Good question. Yeah. Um, a first tier market would be more of a metropolitan market. So Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York. Bakersfield. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe that would be a third tier. I don't know, actually. No. Because you I never hear anybody say, like, we, I, secondary market, I think people are willing to say that, oh, we're in a secondary market. But it would be interesting to hear somebody actually categorize themselves as, we're a third tier market. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> we're, number, yeah. we're number 85. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we, were, we were in Fremont, California, uh, which is a, a, a very strange place because it's so proximity, it's so close to the tech industry, and yet it's just this kind of like wasteland mm -hmm. of, of of old, like you don't, like the money's not there. These aren't million dollar houses necessarily yeah. there anymore, and you're like, this is within striking distance. Like, it's just interesting, you know, like the downtown streets are just full of old antique shops that nobody is really going mm. into anymore. So it's that very strange. That's just when you when I when I tried to come up mm. with a third tier market, I thought, oh, here's one mm -hmm. that's right down the street from, I think as a second tier market, does this mean that we have functioning culture and interesting exactly. places to visit? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's partly what makes Santa Barbara so special is that it's not only this natural beauty, it's that, and might I add, we all we all get a little grumpy if it takes more than ten minutes to get somewhere, right? Oh, I'm I not mean, going. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. You got to pack snacks Did we and book a water a hotel bottle. Room? I'm going to Goleta. South of Carp. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, that's we're showing. That's this a is a geo, a, geo a geo elitism. Absolutely, uh, but at the same have. time, we have yeah. so many restaurants. I mean, I I heard a stat once, and I haven't followed up on this, but that we have more restaurants per capita. That's really? correct. Than huh. That's true. Yeah. Really? And we have true. the Granada, and we yeah. have Music Academy of the West, and we have the Arlington. And I like watching you do your list. Like I'm just checking. Theater district, restaurants, restaurants <laughs> other cultural institutions of importance. Well, this is probably part of your rap, isn't it? I don't know that it's part of my rap. Um, I truly, honestly think this. That's yeah, why. I right. No, no, I understand. Here. I mean, that's that's part of. You're right. We live here. We love it, and yeah. and we want to tell other people about it now, which makes me think of all the people who don't want any more people here. <laughs> sure. There's a there is that. Yeah, there is. Do you is get that. into those? Does anybody ever get up in your grill around? <laughs> You know, you're bringing all these people here, but <laughs> but I mean, I'm thinking the people you're bringing here are high net worth individuals, right? That it can afford these homes. And I'm not bringing them here. Yeah. I'm providing a service. Santa Barbara is bringing them here. Yes, that's a big magnet. Right. right. I am their tour guide. Oh, okay. I love that. I am their tour guide, and I am introducing them to the ins and outs of what can be a very complicated real estate market here. Uh, you can't. What makes it so complicated? Well, I, I say that just because. You know, in the day and age of Zillow and Trulia and all this information just at our fingertips, um, buyers are armed with more information than they've ever had before. Yep. 
And and I think that that's actually fantastic, albeit I think that Zillow um, sometimes with their estimates <laughs> lead people <laughs> down, a, down, a, <laughs> down a, a dark sure. and dirty rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, but um, but what you don't get with all of that technology is the little ins and outs. Montecito, take Montecito, for instance. It's not a very big town. It's tiny. And I can yet, walk from one end to the other. Right. And yeah. yet um, part of its allure is also what makes it, I think, a little bit more complicated for a buyer to truly understand values in and out. You don't see houses. You, you see, see beautiful hedges. trees and hedges <laughs> and gates. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> right. and that's what makes it really beautiful and really yeah. pretty. Yeah. Um, but you can't take two houses on the exact same street and look at their price per square foot and really make any sense of it. Correct. And so, you know, a lot of it has to do with, is there road noise? Is there a view? What kind of view? Is there a power pole in the way? Because <laughs> in Montecito, we have power poles. Right. Uh, right. They're hidden usually by these trees. Um, that's, a, that's a function of being old Montecito. Uh, but all of those factors really, you know, is the, is the house sited on the lot? correctly or is it not isn't it is it an historical house and how much work does it need really when you say cited on the on the property correctly t t tell me a little bit more about that that sounds like a struggle that you run into regularly um maybe not a struggle i run into regularly although if i could take a house on a different property and put it on another property if i oh. could do that yeah oh Came over here. Oh my god! Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a different level. Of that, <laughs> that is a different level of reality. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, for instance, there could be you know, given the history of Montecito, a hundred years ago, certain people came and they populated, and then things changed. They divided sure. up over time, and depending on how that happened, uh, there could be a house sitting on a property that, at one point had an ocean view where it was originally built, mm. but now no longer has that ocean view and really needs to be sited on the northern end of the property mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and in order to obtain that view. Or at one point had an ocean view where it was sitting and really it'll never have an ocean view ever again. And really it should be sitting on the southern port portion of the property in order to obtain a much larger mountain view from both the interiors as well as the exterior. Uh, or now there's a road where there didn't used to be a road. Now the house sits next to a road. <laughs> so when you come when you come onto a property like that, knowing that you're going to have that that because you 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 do the dual role, right? That of, of you might be functioning as an advocate for the buyer, or you might be functioning as an advocate for the seller. Yes. And so when you come onto the property, there's a lot of problem solving for you, trying to figure out, okay, this is you know like clearly it's never going to have an ocean view again. Right. So again, like you have to get ready to calibrate your buyers with that, or 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 calibrate the the owner to say like, hey, maybe don't mention the ocean view. Instead. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> we, call, we call that spin. Oh, spin. Because um, I don't think that's, because you're, you're kind mm. of liable for disclosure. Like you have to be very clear with what you're doing. You can't. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Well, and I'm there, typically the way that I look at it is that I am there to point out to you what you may not already know. There you go. Yeah. That's what I guess I was looking for. Was yeah. like, what are the insider? Yeah. Because like, when I walk onto the property, I want to know how it's cited wrong. I want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm there to give you the honest truth. If I'm representing a buyer, I'm there to tell them um, what they need to know, the ins and outs of that they need to know, if they were to call me in a few years and sell it. Mm. Not just the good, but the bad. They need to know the whole thing. And then the same with the seller. I, you know, if we feel excited about a property, of course, I'm going to talk to them about the good, but they also need to know what could come up as a shortcoming or a negative from a buyer's perspective. Mm -hmm. It's important for people to, it's all about managing expectations on both sides. Um, Is there a lot of a lot of investment turnaround like that? Like like where they, I mean, are you seeing people like, going, no, no, you're shaking your head. No. no, not a lot. And I would never encourage that. Um, but I also, I just also want somebody to know that if five, ten years from now or two years from now, you decided to sell for whatever reason, these are the things that I'll be telling you. I want to get back into the, the the people that are coming, the new people that are coming to Santa Barbara. I've been here since 72, so I feel like I've been here forever. Um, and we know that a lot of people come and retire here. I was with the Chamber of Commerce for many years, and you'll find that people did well elsewhere, <laughs> and then they come and retire here. And that that's happening. They're younger and younger. 
So it's we think of retired as, you know, my age, 65, and they're going to come and have this nice leisurely life, yet we're finding young 40-somethings who have done well in tech come here and buy homes, and so they're looking for good schools. We've got great schools, and they're building out. So the so you're shaking your head, uh, listener, she's shaking her head yes to all <laughs> the stuff I'm saying you agree. The question is, do you have that conversation with them around civic involvement, civic engagement, and what it's like to be a citizen of this community? Hmm. Yes. Um, that question comes in different. It's usually a question formed from them uh, in the way of what they want their community to look like when they're here. Uh, you know, they're asking things. So, for instance, I was shaking my head yes because I think that they're – I think technology allows people maybe to, if they're in their mid to late 40s coming here, they aren't necessarily retiring, but they're maybe slowing down or they're working from they're – they're in a position where they can work from wherever they want to. Right. Uh, and those people, if they are – if they have a family, they are curious if there are kids in the neighborhood or if they're in a neighborhood where – Everybody's just got a second home, and they're not going to see their neighbors. Yeah, yeah, right. um, and what is it like to be in the community? What is it like for them? To, how are they going to meet people? And that I get questions. How are they going to meet from, people? What do you tell people? them? I'm curious. What's the answer well, there's to that? A, well, there is a, um, a, what is it, a newcomers club. I've bumped into them at periodic events. They, yeah. they are very active. They're, they're very active. Very good at what they do. Yeah. yeah. They're very active. And I know quite a few people that have – that has been a real uh, – that has really helped them to create community here very quickly. Uh, people that have kids usually create a community like they split. Right. Uh, right. But, um, but then others, it's, it's all about how involved do you want to be too. We have several philanthropies. Uh, well, we have the largest concentration of nonprofits, mm -hmm. just like restaurants. Same can be said for nonprofits. Right. So there are and, – and – the thing I always wonder is, um, especially with high net worth individuals, all the private banks light up. You know that they light their radar lights. Oh, <laughs> there's someone new in town. And they, those people get invited to lunch and coffee and everybody wants to meet them. And, and that happens That's too. also a small world. And um, they tend to know somebody who knows somebody. You know, oh, I have a a friend from Chicago who has a friend who lives here in Montecito. I have a friend from New York who has a couple of friends who live here in Santa Barbara or Hope Ranch. And, and so then that network ends up connecting people. It's a very small world. Yes, Most it is. especially when you get into the ultra high, high net worth world. It's a very so, small So we, we know that um, like the homes that are like one to five million, that inventory is gone now as a result of our listener knows we've talked about the the fire and the and the the debris flow that we had, uh, that all of those home that inventory disappeared. Is that correct? No, not correct. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, it didn't disappear. Um, and and I don't know what you mean by disappeared. That the the it's gone. The, I mean people people who people were displaced purchased. and they yeah. purchased. Um, there certainly was a. I wouldn't say it's gone. Um, in fact, quite the opposite. But um, but most certainly a lot of it got scooped up. New inventory came on, um, and especially this time of year, new inventory tends to come on this time of year. Well, why is that? Um, well, spring tends to be a busy selling season, and I think what happens is that. Because Santa Barbara, quite frankly, has really a year-round selling season, primarily because we have year-round good weather, Right. Uh, whereas other markets typically don't. Other markets kind of shut down in the winter, depending on your market. You know, I'm sure New York doesn't ever shut down. But um, Seattle closes down a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> and so I think that people get that in their heads, that real estate Spring is a busy real estate okay. season. You know, kids are in school. Everybody's kind of in their routine, whereas you get into the summer and then people are traveling. They're dealing with graduations. They're not in their routine. And then fall, that back-to-school kind of season, everybody's trying to get back ramped up into their routine. So you want to be in your new home by September. Usually if you have a, if you have a family. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then, then that's, again, where we are kind of more of a year-round market because – while there may be some buyers that, uh, that that is true for, there are others that it's not. Uh, so that being said, 
spring typically is a little bit more of a busy season. I think that um, more specifically to Montecito, the spring busy season got pushed back a couple of months. Yeah. For obvious reasons. I think everything got pushed back. <laughs> I think everything got pushed everything, back. We hit the pause button on our TiVo. Yeah. And now we're just starting to come back. I was and just catch up. talking with somebody the other day about the fact that June is almost here and it really feels like it should be March or February. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. What's, you, you've been doing this for a while. I mean, you're the managing partner of a, a very successful firm. What continues to surprise you about your job? Oh. Apologize for the pause. No, with our listeners loving this part. Because <laughs> I know you're, think, you're thinking about it. They're, they're answering the question on their own. Yeah, what surprises me? Um, well, when you deal in the people business, yes, I sell homes. But really, I'm in the people business, right? Yep. Um, people can be surprising. <laughs> okay. Um, in both ways. Uh, gosh, what surprises me? Well, my, I would say my every day can be some sort of a surprise, right? There's the, for instance, there was an off-market sale that sold for a record-breaking number of what price. What does off-market mean? It's not, on, it's not on the market. It's a property that... that that someone told someone else yeah. and yeah and it transacted off market and it was a good price and those people just didn't care and that's surprising you just don't care what you're but at the same time didn't care what they were paying mm-hmm. right yeah and at the same time if you have the wherewithal and that property fits and makes you happy that's a good surprise what else surprises me in what we do I'll get back to that because I'm going to have to think about that what, more. Do, what do people what do buyers typically continue to not understand about the process that you have to re you have to educate them all the time and you're like gosh why do I have to keep telling people this yeah I think well this is a buyer and seller alike we do not price our properties solely on price per square foot both buyers and sellers alike love to look at that metric because it's hard and fast and the most stable and secure and the most um not that we don't look at it. We do. We have to look at all of the metrics, but um, you can't really be looking at price. Uh, a buyer would love to look at the lowest price per square foot comps, and a seller is, of course, looking at the highest. And comp price per for our listener who doesn't know is oh. a, a comparable in the neighborhood in the price range. Right. Com- it would be it's a comparable sale, generally right. speaking, or sometimes we even look at active listings as a comp. Uh, and that would just be for a a seller to look at their competition and to know how they can be positioned in the market according to their competition. But if the competition is all high, so if it's <laughs> not, if it's not, if if that's <clears throat> part of your job as a Sherpa, if you will, mm-hmm. is um, to say. No, don't look at that bright, shiny bubble called square foot. This is what you want to look at. What do you have them look at instead that you think is more indicative of the true value? And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say we don't look at it. I would say that it's not the sole right. focus. Right. Um, I would say the other things that we look at that are highly important location within Montecito. It sounds interesting to be saying, really? or even within Hope Ranch. Really? You know, you think, uh, you think, well, you're buying in Montecito or you're buying in Hope Ranch. How can you really go along with that location? Well, there are sub-locations within. Uh, when people move here, they often hear of the term, and you may know this term, um, the golden quadrangle in Montecito. What? Well, some people call <laughs> I, I've it. I've been here my, almost my whole life. What does that mean? Sounds like so, a good t-shirt. Yeah. Yes. Can you have those made by the end of the show? <laughs> be a great t-shirt uh some people actually misrepresent it and call it the golden triangle but it's not actually a triangle it is a quadrangle um and it runs if our listeners know Montecito well it runs it's a loose interpretation and depending on who you talk to it has different well we're talking to you and you you get to lay out the map I get to define it today um my rough definition of it is East Valley Road or the Highway 192 yeah North of that to East Mountain. Yep. And on the east-west perimeters, you're looking at the Ribbon Rock area on the west yep. and roughly Lilac area on the east. Got it. And that is 
prime, prime, prime real estate. Yeah. <clears throat> now, what doesn't fall in there that is also prime real estate is the beach. And that's you know, the its own thing anomaly. about the beach, though, so, um, I lived, uh, it feels like, eight feet away from Amtrak. <laughs> um, and it's possible to live 16 feet away, lit- literally 16 <laughs> feet away from them. And and that runs right through that yeah. that that strip of land that's between the 101 and the ocean. It's only some places 20 houses wide. Yeah. I mean, it's not big at it's all. Not. How do you how do you sell the train? Mm. I don't sell the train. I mean, that just is <laughs> what it s- is. There's if you're if you want to be on the sand, our very expensive sand here. <laughs> um, yeah. y- y- that comes with the freeway and the train. It's just a fact of life. There's nothing any of us are doing about it. Uh, that being said, when you're on the ocean side of many of those homes, yeah. which is where everybody wants to be, that's why they're right. buying on the beach. Yeah. You actually don't hear the train, nor do you hear the freeway. So, yeah, you might hear it when you're driving into your house. You might see it when you're driving into your house. But as long as you don't hear it on the other, where you're living, you're not seeing it and where you're living, what's the issue? We have friends who live in Summerland <clears throat> mm. right next to the train as you're getting under the freeway. There's a little cutoff and there's right. a few homes there. And I was like, what are you guys? Because they used to live on Middle Road. It was a beautiful mm. home. And they got a smaller place down there. It is right on the way. It's spectacular. Mm-hmm. But there's like triple glazed glass. There's There are ways you can make a house. And it's like, how did you guys do this? He has a music room. And it's oh. spectacular. And it's quiet. And like right next to the train. Yeah. How do you guys do that? So, yeah. so you figure it out. You figure it out. And there are properties um, on the north side of the um, of the the beach area take for instance that whole area right behind the four seasons in Montecito and depending on where you're on on that side of the street you're either right next to the freeway or you're not and that that again just case in point is location and value if you're on the four seasons side of Hill Road Hill Road is the street that runs right behind yeah so if you're on the the south side of Hill Road your value is going to be significantly different than if you're on the north side of Hill Road primarily because that freeway is right there. It's fascinating, isn't it? Oh, I, I <laughs> you know, it is. There's, so, fun. so we live right behind Vons mm, uh, mm-hmm. and, and walk on Butterfly to the beach. Oh, and there's a beautiful that home, yeah, underneath the freeway. Yeah. The beautiful home that they, it was probably eight or nine years ago, completely took it down and built this spectacular place. I'm like, but you're right next to Amtrak. Now, maybe it's because I the lived in Carpenter. Yeah, the Metro mm-hmm. is beautiful. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. place. But I want to go back to the um, <coughs> kind of let's talk a little bit about the business of real estate because it's a business show. We have entrepreneurs listening. And and I know that there are people who have a, well, I'll call it a side hustle in real estate. Mm-hmm. So they think they can mm-hmm. do all the stuff and come in and do what you do, which I'm going to guess is challenging. What's it like running a real estate business in this town? Because there's a lot of y'all. There is a lot of us. I would say that most people know at least, on average, three to five real estate agents in their circle. Right. Uh, Just as friends. Just as friends. Easily. Easily. Um, And and typically, uh, at least my opinion, I have been in this business actually very short-lived compared to many of my colleagues who've been in it for 30 plus years right um so me speaking about this is um, a little bit limited but i think an indication of a bubble or a the market being at its top is when you see people getting their real estate license and doing the side hustle right (laughs) uh typically down markets don't attract that um What is it like being in the real estate business here? Well, you know, we do things a little differently in my office. Um, we, so I'm going to probably talk, if, if, if I may, a bit of how we evolved. I don't know if you That'd know great. or if our listeners know how how we became Riskin Partners. And Riskin Partners is a um, iteration of many things we were before. So I first met, our, our namesake is Rebecca Riskin. I'm sure many many people know Maybe they don't. that name. <laughs> um, but Rebecca was a um, powerhouse. Right. 
very, she's been in the business for 35 plus years. And um, she started, I met Rebecca 15 years ago, and I actually was her marketing director. Oh. I moved here from Los Angeles. Um, I worked at a advertising and PR, I did PR um, for Lexus. And um, she, I had met a handsome fella up here and decided to leave Los Angeles. And she was looking for a marketing director, and I thought, well, I could do that. And that sounds fun. And um, I actually told her I had no interest in selling real estate because where I had come from, um, real estate was tract houses and developments and very unindividualized, very generic. And I'm not trying to say that that's not a, you can still sell real estate and have fun and sell that. That's great. It just wasn't as appealing to me. And, um, and then I rolled up my sleeves and I got into marketing these homes and I thought, and there were stories. It wasn't just that, sure, there's some really beautiful houses, some really exquisite homes, and that's fun. Um, but some of it was the stories right. behind these, right, the right, history right. here. Yep, yep. Um, and then there's the natural beauty and getting to really get behind some of those hedges and getting to explore. And um, and then the people. People are fascinating. Anyway, um, six months later, I get my license. And... Um, I start helping her sell real estate and then fast forward to becoming her partner probably back in 2008. Mm. Um, and and my um, my partner, Sarah Hanasek, uh, she, she had also started as an assistant. We kind of grew together. And, um, <clears throat> and we ended up, this was back before people were really doing teams. Mm. I wouldn't say that we brilliantly came up with that <laughs> it just kind of organically happened but we really what started do you mean by teams well a lot of if you look at a lot of real estate if you thumb through a real estate magazine now there are a lot of real estate teams out there that used to be people are realizing that it's easier it's it's a better business model to team up to, in order to provide better client service um with each other and have a real estate group or the there there are several of them. Because each of the, the so and so team, the so and so group, the so and so all of that. Um, and whether it is either one agent having assistance and now rebranding themselves as a team or a group, because um, some of it's just branding. They always they always operated that way. They just operated so under one realtor name rather than as under a group or a team or a partnership or whatever. Um, And we started doing that. um, What we had found when we became partners was that people didn't know that Sarah and I had, that we knew the market as well as we did. Mm. We were seen as assistants. And until they really got to know us and got to understand and allowed us to speak and to show what we knew, they didn't understand that. And so we thought, well, how do we change that? We change that. You change your brand. You change the perception up front, and um, because if the name is just under Rebecca Riskin and they don't know who we are, then we're just assistants. So right, we're right, not right, we're not really right. helping to to do what our role is here. And um, <clears throat> so we became, oh gosh, I think we were first Rebecca Riskin and Associates, and then we were. Riskin and Associates. Then we dropped the ampersand, and we were Riskin Associates. And then there was a whole meeting about that. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole ampersand. about just the ampersand. Yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely, there yeah, was a meeting. Yeah. There, there might have been two meetings. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, and then we became Riskin Partners um, because what we realized was that we had a partnership since 2008. Nobody really knew that, um, and. And it allowed us to, first of all, having a team allows you to always take a showing for a client. You know, whether it's Sarah's at a wedding, Rebecca's down in L.A., well, guess what? I'm here. I'm taking the showing. There's never going to be a I'm out of town or I'm picking my kids up from school. I can't do it. I've got always somebody is available. Um, I have even shown property on Christmas Eve. Um, well, uh, Merry Christmas, honey. I bought you a home. <laughs> yeah, you're in good spirits. Everybody's yes. in a good mood. Could you, could you put a bow on that? Yeah, well, us, and please. often, you know, in my industry, people are looking at real estate when they're on holiday time. Right. Yeah. And right. so right. that's what makes sense. Um, I've taken us a bit off of well, I wanna, topic. Well, I'm going to bring us back. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so you're an, you're an independent organization, and. Uh, 
when I, I when I was asking what it's like to do business here, there are a lot of big companies that have outposts here. I mean, big companies, especially that are dealing with these, you know, expensive homes. Mm-hmm. Um, walk down Coast Village Road. You know, you see you see them all, right? Um, and so that's what I'm I'm curious about as an independent. How do you compete against those sure. big behemoth brands? Well, I should actually clarify. We hold our licenses with Village Properties. Our branding may so Village is an independent boutique company here yeah, they are. in town. Um, and but they are also the exclusive affiliate of Christie's International Real Estate. So um, while that's we may a, that's be how you hold it, you have local. big friends. We have big friends. <laughs> how do we hold our own? We've uh, we got this guy. I got these guys. Well, and Christie's, what a lot of people don't understand, Christie's is you know soul is related to the auction house. Right. So right. Um, <clears throat> uh, so how do we navigate that? Well, I guess part of the reason that I started with my roots had to do with. Rebecca, she had a solid sales history, a solid reputation, and we helped to grow that. And then I would say, so we've got the Christie's brand, um, but also not being part of a bigger corporate company allows us a little bit more autonomy to, to deliver more bespoke marketing. So if that's where I was going. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm listing, if Riskin Partners <clears throat> is listing your house. You're not fitting into some, your brochure isn't fitting into just some template. We can create it. Now, granted, we have a certain look and feel that we like to abide by. and we That you know works. We know works. It's not and just it looks good. It, it sells. It sells. That's what you care about. And it's, well, we like to say that from the moment that you meet us to the moment we either hand the keys to you if you're a buyer or we deliver your keys to the buyer, it should be a first-class experience. If you okay. walk into our office, um, we are up, we are located across from Janine's on uh, Coast Village Road, yep. upstairs from Village Properties. Yep. And we are a, um, I want to say we have about 1,400 square feet just for Riskin Partners. It should be, whether you are selling a $1 million home in Montecito or Hope Ranch or a $25, $35 What's million the most home. expensive home? I'm on the market curious. or that we've sold? Yeah, let's just say in doesn't matter who sold. What's the most expensive? I'm just curious. The most expensive property that has ever sold in Santa Barbara County, I want to say is for $100 million and it was up the coast. Um, we actually just pulled the stats on this because there we had a $35 million sale uh, just last month, which we hadn't had in Montecito a $30 million plus sale since 2008. Mm. And we've only had five over $30 million in all of Santa Barbara County. So that would be what you would, that's kind of the, uh, the diamond standard. That would standard probably be the, yeah. Would be the yeah. That's a gold quadrangle. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I would say. You're going to regret letting him know that. Yeah. <laughs> Although if you make t-shirts, I would like to have okay. one. Right. <laughs> so I want to, I want to vector uh, slightly in the marketing. Um, so I, you know, you open up any magazine that you get in the grocery store here. There's all the 805 Living and the Santa Barbara Magazine and all of those mm-hmm. feel to me as an uninformed outsider as if they're funded by real estate advertising. Am I wrong? You might not be, no. Because there are – and, <coughs> and I, don't, I don't know how expensive – it just looks expensive – and you, you just go page and page and page and page of these. Is that your single biggest line item budget? Well, we actually take a different approach. You won't see our ads in a lot of those. Oh. You mean we, we have a presence because we feel that we, we should. But we're actually – print advertising is no – it used to be the print advertising was the way that you, you advertised homes. <clears throat> yeah. Majority of buyers aren't looking for a home in a magazine or a newspaper anymore. And why do they do that? I we, mean, I'm just, this is where I'm going. It's like, why do we that do is it? a crazy it's, amount of money. It's branding. It's local branding. It's branding for us. And we tell our sellers that. We, will, we would love to advertise your home. But guess what? It's just branding for us. That's what it is. It's putting our name out to local people who may potentially be thinking of selling their home. Got it. Okay, I, I'll buy press. that. Yeah. Second question as it relates to um, uh, 
uh, technology and real estate because I think that real estate has, um, I don't know if people realize this, but realis- realtors are always looking for an edge, right? Right? You're going to yeah. say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they were the first ones to do 3D views of homes and mm-hmm. have that embedded with players on websites. It was the first time you ever saw that. Yeah. Uh, where they did that. Uh, they're the first to do VR, AR. Um, and now, and it's not even now, now it's old news, you're going to say, is getting drones to take pictures of the home. So mm-hmm. how much reliance do you place on drones? I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. We own our own drone. Okay, see, there you go. Okay, okay, thank you. <laughs> and I'll add to your list virtual staging. That's the new what? Yeah, that's so the tell new people ticket. what sta- tell people what staging mm. is. Well, there's a reason that staging is a business because it works. Um, virtual st- so staging. Tell, tell should we start sta- with staging? Yeah, is? Oh, yeah. staging is um, where a company comes in and takes all of the owners own furniture out or supplements the the owner's furniture with a more neutral look and feel of, you know, couches. It, basically, staging is a company coming in and refurnishing a home. Dressing the set. Dressing the set. Yes. Yeah. Dressing okay. the set. In some ways, I'll be honest, we don't like ours to look overly dressed. Okay. Uh, you know, doesn't you know, feel real. Doesn't feel. Doesn't feel in. real, Not right? Like and you want people to feel. We actually try to accomplish a look and feel that doesn't look staged, because we want it to be. But at the same time, what you want to accomplish is um, a a neutral enough point of view that evokes some sort of emotion that somebody can see the actual house. They're, they're not concentrated on the art or the furnishings, right. um, and yet they don't want it to feel. You also want to have this feeling because a lot of selling homes is really somebody's emotional response. All, a lot of selling. Listener, write this down. A lot of selling anything is all about emotion. Yeah, right. So yeah. if it's a home, it's just um, yeah. it, it's it's the most money they're going to spend mm-hmm. on something, and they may have saved their entire life. Right. Or for a, many years to buy this thing. Right. So it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Yeah. So what's virtual staging? Virtual staging. So traditional staging, people come in, they bring furniture, et cetera. Uh, virtual staging is you can either take a photograph of a, an empty room or a photograph of a room as it is currently furnished. And um, technology allows us to either remove those furnishing those furnishings in the photos and replace them with different furnishings, add different drapes, change the floor color, change the wall color, add different. It's pretty cool. We've been working on virtual staging for the last couple of years, and um, because oftentimes typical staging is a an expense that falls on the seller, mm. and it can uh, be a rather large expense. Uh, yeah, my um, guess. And, and really what we're trying to evoke, what, what we're first and foremost trying to get is fantastic photography that gets a buyer to the property. So virtual staging allows us to have photography out everywhere on Zillow, Trulia, et cetera, um, that might appeal to a m- larger audience than the way that the current the house is currently furnished and how it would photograph. And then what it also does is that when we get the buyer there live and in person, it paints a picture. Okay, well, this isn't what the house looks like right now. If all the rooms are empty, maybe it feels cavernous and it's difficult to relate to the house. But we have these photos here. This is what it shows you. This is how you live in it. Right. So what we're always trying to do is, in today's world, it seems that more and more we all want instant gratification. And... When you are a buyer looking at anywhere between five to 15 or 20 homes between a day or three mm. days. That just sounds daunting. Yeah. <laughs> it can be very emotionally daunting. Yeah. It can yeah. be very sure. exhausting for somebody. And if there's something that says, if there's something, a house that it's like, I like that house. I feel good about it. And guess what? I don't have to really think hard about mm-hmm. what, what would it look like if I had different couches sure. in there? Um, that's the whole point of it. So it's, it's like a Photoshop kind of thing? Kind of. But when we first started this, looking into these companies that did this, it was a very expensive. And we found a very cheesy product. It looked fake. It looked virtually staged. Oh, I, I, my background is in 3D animation. And mm. <clears throat> so we had, we were doing 3D walkthroughs of buildings for funding, right? Mm-hmm. So people would buy it 
to do huge developments or skyscrapers and all that kind of stuff. I've been around that for like 30 years ago. Mm. And getting it to look photo real was always the trick. So yeah. what, what you just, what went through my mind was, okay, I've got a picture of, of a photograph of a dining room mm -hmm. and I've got to paint out everything that's in there, paint in stuff, and then I've got to recreate all the lighting so that it looks as if it's married perfectly. Right. That's expensive. I was just saying, you, you probably did the task. hours in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah I totally, yeah. yeah. So I need a, I'm gonna need three programmers for that. Well, yeah. and we all we often found, at least when we first started this process and we're working with different companies, um, that having photographs of the rooms empty was much easier to get a more lifelike product than having a photograph where they had to remove furniture. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I, you mean, can, just, I don't even well, do the work, right. but I can imagine it. Yeah, from visual effects point of view, if I've got to paint out somebody, like right. what was behind them, and I, now I've got to recreate that thing that was behind them, right. and it has that's, to look like nothing happened. That's got to be right. maddening, though, when you when you're what you were saying earlier about about spending a lot of money, very expensive, and then the product arrives, and you look at it, and you go, "Wow." Um, Underwhelmed. <laughs> yeah, that, that feels like maybe you cut Under. that out with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, well, from a magazine and just kind of glued that in. Yeah. And now and nowadays I would say there's we found one company that is actually doing a much better job. Um, Do they take the photos too? I would think that it would be easier if they they'll yeah. use any photo that comes in. Yeah. That's talent. Yeah. We still well we still have the the photo professionally taken. We of don't course, just yeah. Yeah. Send a shot with our iPhone, um, <laughs> which always fascinates me. Yeah. Although when you're looking at the Zillows markets. and you see the people who are just kind of with the toilet seat up. See, those are those are that that's the book. <laughs> I don't right? care. Like little, like I don't care what price house yeah. you are selling. Just put, put the, the toilet put down. seat down. Yeah. <laughs> it's attention to detail, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. Close um, the medicine cabinet. Yeah, no, just just close it. <laughs> you know, and uh, speaking of details, I'm looking at the clock, and we, we have. Well, I, 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 I did want to say, I just give a couple of seconds to talk about the, the debris flow and the, and the disaster that we had here um, and how you've come to be on the show. And we saw you on Dateline and, and you guys were, you had a story to tell that has been told elsewhere. And I'll put links <laughs> to that. We don't need to do all of that. But uh, you look like you've come out of the other side of that with, you know, all of us have, yeah. you know, we're stronger and tougher and, and we as much as we love rain, we don't want it ever to rain again. Huh. Well, know? actually, I feel differently about that. Uh, um, yeah, I actually, as somebody that lives in Montecito and has yep. been through what I've been through, I'll be honest, um, the first few rains, even when there weren't evacuations, we left. Um, yeah, because sure. psychologically, I couldn't handle it. But um, I'm now in a place where, I mean, it rained just the other day. I know. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I celebrated it. Okay. And I okay, think some of good. that is, is good. that oh, we were, we proved you know, we got through that those march rains and especially that really big one there where yep. they had us really yep. scared yep. um and i went home when they lifted the evacuation that night and i i don't know if you remember but it was still raining yeah it was and it was raining pretty yep. hard yeah and i thought you know what though we got through it all right and we we were tested and we did all right good, good. yeah um and you know you're not asking me a question. I'm just going to yeah. tell you how I feel about it all. Uh, I think natural disasters happen all over the world. And we are, Rebecca and I actually used to talk about this all the time. Crap, for lack of a better word, seemed to always happen all over the place, right? We always shook our head and, oh, those poor people, oh, those poor people. But nothing ever, nothing bad ever happens in Santa Barbara. Yep. And so something bad happened here. And that is really difficult for us. We were a little mm -hmm. spoiled here. Mm -hmm. And yet um, I couldn't be more proud, I'm going to get a little choked up here, of our community and the people that live here. Um, People can be surprising and sometimes in a yep. really good way. Yep. And that is what, it's not just the beauty. You know, the beauty of what makes Santa Barbara so beautiful is what also created this. <laughs> and, yep. um, or at least partook in this. And, um, and yet, it's not just that. It is a really about the people that live here. And I think that not only are we a better and stronger community than we were before, um, but I also think that 
we will be physically a more beautiful place than we were before. And it's going to take some time, and we've got to get through some of the not pretty stuff to get yep. there. Yep. But that's okay. That's okay, because the way that we get there also will make us stronger. It, yeah, it and it'll already, make us it better. It already is. It is. Yeah. And it'll continue to do that. So, I mean, it's like any kind of relationship, right? Sometimes when you go through the bad stuff together, you end up a stronger you have a stronger relationship with somebody later. A thousand percent agree. Yeah. Uh, Dina, thank you so much for coming and spending uh, the morning with us. That it's time fun. went so quick. Uh, we can find you at riskinpartners.com. Perfect. And uh, so you're easy to find. <laughs> so uh, for that person in Finland who's saying, gosh, <laughs> gosh darn, it's cold here. I thought I'm you guys going. were going to highlight another country. Yeah. No, no, we're no, stuck no. on Finland. No, we <laughs> like, uh, you know, I did actually look at the country map uh, earlier this week and uh, Finland's been knocked out of the top 10. So oh. I just got to say that. So other people are hearing. Not out of the top 10 of our heart. Oh, see, there you go. I love that. I also uh, want to thank California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, drop us a note to partner at 805connect.com. Also, uh, we're doing podcasts. Uh, we're helping people. Yeah, if you uh, if somebody you're listening to this and somebody else is saying to you like, hey, uh, I, I've always wanted a podcast. Well, guess what? We're the ones who can do that for you. Yep. So send them our way. Uh, write an email to uh, podcast at 805conversations.com. And then, uh, Patrick, how else could our listener help us? Because they, they want to help. The debris flow is not in the news every night anymore, yep. but people are hurting every night. Yep. Uh, so if you could reach out to one of the fantastic organizations that has risen up, the Bucket Brigade or, or, or any of the other ones, um, uh, f- do some research. Find somebody that you want to work with and partner with and uh, send them some of the support that you have to give, either in volunteer hours or money, because uh, it's not over. We are going to actually bring a couple of people onto the TEDx Santa Barbara stage. Right. Uh, to talk. And so this is, you know, it's not over. Stay tuned. There's there's a lot uh, going on. I would love to hear from you if you have any questions or suggestions for people for the show. I love those emails. We get to meet lots of new interesting people like Dina. Mm -hmm. And uh, just drop me a note to mark at 805connect.com. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm -hmm.